right, everybody, we're coming to you live from uh, my home in Erie, Pennsylvania, and Del McCoy's home in Asheboro, North Carolina, the home of the North Carolina Zoo. And uh, a few people think he should be in the zoo, including Absolutely. But we won't go there. Brother Dale, it's glad to have you with us today. Appreciate your friendship. Take a moment and introduce yourself for those that are watching that haven't had the privilege to meet you yet. Tell us a little bit about, about you and your wife and, and what's going on in Ash, Ashboro. Well, Julie and I have been uh, married since 1982, and uh, she hasn't left me yet. She's threatened to kill me a few times, but she's never threatened to leave me, thank the Lord. Uh, but uh, we have been in Ashboro now for three years. Uh, this is a revitalization project. First time we've done this in North Carolina Home Missions history. There was one similarity back in the day when Nate Ainge came uh, to carry, but that was never designated as a revitalization. They actually shut it down and reopened it. In this case, uh, it is actually a church that was originally founded through the North Carolina missions. Uh, Brother Bob Edmondson began the work. Uh, we just celebrated 26 years of ministry uh, back the 1st of November. Uh, so the church has been here for a while, uh, but through very unfortunate circumstances, it had fallen on hard times, both financially and attendance-wise. Uh, but uh, we'll just have to see how things uh, progress on that end. Uh, but the church is doing well. We've got some solid people. God's, uh, God's been good to us in that area. And uh, finances are holding up pretty good. So we're excited about what God is doing. Uh, here at Glad Tidings. Take us back a little bit before 1982. Where, where were you raised? And, and tell us a little bit about your, your background as far as becoming a believer. Um, that's a great question. Uh, I always answer the question about where I'm from uh, with that hit by Hank Snow and Johnny Cass. It says, I've been everywhere. <laughs> my, dad, my dad was in the military and we moved quite often. Uh, in fact, in my 13 years of public education, which includes kindergarten, by the way, I never failed a grade, thank the Lord. Uh, I began school in the state of Hawaii. I graduated in the state of South Carolina. And I only went to school, the same school an entire year, five times. Uh, so I'm well-traveled from that standpoint. Um, uh, as far as my conversion's concerned, there was a and it's interesting, I would now be involved in, in some sort of mission project, but there was an effort being made in Marietta, Georgia to establish a Free Will Baptist Church. And of course, my parents started going there and uh, I attended that church, was baptized by that pastor. But my salvation story is quite interesting. I'm one of the few that had to fight his way into heaven. And uh, the story behind that is when you change schools, whoever's lowest on the totem pole wants to move up a notch. And that was the case. Some guy wanted to fight and I didn't want to fight. I'm not a fighter, never have been. Uh, it's a funny story to even talk about the fight. Uh, we met underneath this water tower and he had some of his buddies there to, to watch it. My dad went with me and it turned out his dad, and my dad worked together, um, but neither one of us wanted to start the fight. So, <laughs> so, I told him, I said, uh, I said, you're going to have to start it. So he pushed me. Oh, I pushed him back. So then he kicked me and I kicked him back. 
and all we had going on was a little uh, swap meet of some type. Uh, he punched me, and I punched him back. And I'll tell you how serious that fight was. He went, time out. <laughs> he reached up and touched his lip, and there's just a tad bit of blood there. And he said, you win, and away he went. That same night, he knocked on my door and invited me to a church function. They called it Brigades. It was four guys. Um, it was a great activity. You, you probably couldn't do this kind of thing nowadays, but, uh, oh, it was just a great activity. They'd march us as if we were in the military. Then we'd go out on the front yard, and they'd place a football down, and we'd, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd count off. And they called it Steal the Bacon. And when they called your number, you and the guy of your number on the other side raced to the football, grabbed it, and tried to get back to your side without being tackled. I had a lot of fun for a kid, man. Um, but then they did a Bible study. And at the end of the Bible study, I gave my life to the Lord, was baptized uh, by the Free Will Baptist Church uh, sometime later. And uh, the rest is history. I That's awesome. really sold out to the Lord in Greer, South Carolina, at a, in, through a, a youth group and a church that was really on fire and worked in the bus ministry and went on Tuesday night visitation and all those kind of things. So I did a lot of door-to-door -door work on Tuesday and Saturday back in those days. Um, that would have been in the 70s. Uh, been a long time now. Yeah. A long time. And I've tried my best to stay faithful, knowing all along he would stay faithful. Yes. So you shared a little bit about the work there in uh, Ashboro. I know uh, a year or two ago now, I don't know the exact timeline, uh, you kind of hit uh, kind of a bump in the road, so to speak. Uh, you were diagnosed with uh, with cancer. Yes, that diagnosis came, actually it's been a year ago. November the 13th was a year um, when we were diagnosed. And of course, that was a roller coaster ride for Jill and I both. For about three days, we were kind of out there in no man's land. Uh, nobody wants that kind of diagnosis. And uh, I originally... Uh, did not want to do treatments, but the oncologist talked me into doing them. And uh, uh, so I'm, I'm in hindsight grateful that I did. Um, I have done well. Uh, our faith was never shattered. Our, our strength was weak a time or two, but our faith was never weak. Um, and when I began the journey, I remembered uh, a song I'm a big Southern gospel guy. I doubt that's real big in Erie, Pennsylvania, but um, I'm a big Southern gospel guy. And Gold City first did this song, and then some friends of mine called The Old Pass did it as well. And I posted it on Facebook. I don't know how many people have seen it. Uh, but I just reminded everybody that through it all, whatever we're facing, it's all under control. That was the name of the song, Under Control. And uh, Julie and I have clung to that ever since it's under control and we're uh we're just trusting the lord each day that goes by that it'll be a good day and a strong day and uh, thankfully today i'm feeling quite well so uh, that's a good thing amen under control we're reminded about god's sovereignty and the fact that he is in control um during this journey you said about a year-long journey now what what are some things that maybe you through this process have either learned about God or maybe relearned about God, been reminded of 
other than the fact that he is he does have it under control? Well, that's a great question. Um, while on itinerant, you know, a lot of people may or may not know this about preachers, but every once in a while, God will give you a sermon that just fits anywhere you preach. Everybody needs to hear. And I had been preaching this sermon before the diagnosis came in uh, from Job chapter 23. Uh, and in that passage, Job is trying to find God and can't find him. Mm -hmm. And so the title of the message was when God can't be found. And uh, I'm not going to preach the entire sermon. If you want to dig it out and use these same points, you're welcome to, because everybody needs to hear this truth. Uh, but I asked the question, what do you do when God can't be found? Uh, and there are those times in the life of believers, Brother Darrell, you know this as well as anybody does, where you pray and you pray and you pray, and it just seems like God's a million miles away. You can't find him. You can't seem to connect with him like you want to. Um, and that is a great trial to go through. And Job endured that for us and gave us some answers as to what to do when God can't be found. Uh, and, and if you go through the passage, you'll see where these work. Uh, I said, what Job has taught us is to trust your standing. Job makes mention in that passage that he is a believer. He is a child of God. Uh, and he knows that God is still his father. And he never doubts his standing with the Lord. He never questions his standing with the Lord, even though he can't find God. And then you also learn to trust the scripture. Mm. For he said uh, that the word of God was for him more important and more valuable than his necessary food. Mm. How many of us really think that way? But he's, you know, we've got to trust the scripture and the scripture is what teaches us that God is faithful. It is the scripture that teaches us um, uh, that we can endure difficult times. And then, of course, you mentioned this phrase. The last phrase was trust his sovereignty, trust his sovereignty. So I'm preaching this everywhere I go. And now guess what I have to do? I have to practice it. I have to demonstrate it. And with the Lord's help, that's what I've tried to do, is to be faithful to what I have preached for all these years. Now, I will add, at least early on, you kind of realize that some of the things we normally tell people seem cliches and shallow when your back is against the wall. But you learn that it really isn't that shallow and it really isn't that cliche. It's because the word of God is where we draw our strength from. And so um, it makes you a little more thoughtful, for lack of a better term, in what you try to tell others when they are going through difficult days. And I think one of the best things you can learn to do, uh, Dr. Moody has written his uh, first aid series books. Uh, first Aid for Emotional Hurts, and in his first book, he, he said, look, sometimes you don't need to say anything, just be there. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that sometimes. Amen. Um, I've talked to a lot of people through these type of interviews, and one of the questions or one of the things that comes up a lot of times is not only what people learn about God through difficulties, but what God 
teaches you about yourself. Um, can that re does that resonate with you at all as far as? <clears throat> it does. Um, I have a good friend. I, I think you know him. I'm not positive, but uh, Brother Johnny Hudson um, has been through a series of battles with cancer. And uh, he said something to me that uh, I've not forgotten uh, when he said, look, you're going to have to dig deep and fight hard. He said, you're just going to have to man up and fight hard. And what you learn is you can handle anything when you have the indwelling Holy Spirit and the recorded word of God in your life you can handle it. No matter how bad it seems, you can handle it. Now, I am keenly aware that there is a place involved where spiritual maturity makes a difference in that trustworthiness. The more spiritually mature you are, the better you can handle what you have to face. Uh, there are some who face these things while they have not grown as far in the Lord. And, and to me, that's one of the biggest challenges as pastors we face. Uh, how do you, in a congregation filled with people, give the milk that the younger ones need and the meat that the older ones need? I explained to a gentleman this week, he looked at me and he said, preacher, and he's new in our church and he's loving it. And he's talking about how well he's being fed. But he said, I just got tired of feeding myself. And I looked at him and said, well, brother, let me give you a little perspective on that. I said, how would you feel if one of your children came to you and said, hey, Dan, I'm tired of feeding myself. Feed me. And uh, uh, I said, the truth is, the more mature you become in Christ, the more necessary it is to feed yourself because you can't get enough meat from the pulpit to satisfy you as you mature in Christ. And uh, so therefore, I, I, I think I've learned that spiritual maturity does matter when you face crisis like this. Uh, faith matters, and it matters strong. Um, and I've always considered myself to have a strong faith, but this really put it to the test. And uh, Thankfully, I don't think my faith has waned one iota. I really don't. I think it's only gotten stronger. Amen. There are people that <clears throat> certainly will watch this uh, who know people that are going through cancer or uh, are maybe going through cancer themselves or maybe, God forbid, down the road will get that diagnosis. Um, what can you say to someone who's in your shoes or or – uh, in the sense of facing difficulty, what, what, what would you say to that person, especially that person that you know, doesn't have the Lord in their life? I mean, can you imagine walking through this valley without, without him? Wow. No, I really can't. Um, now, obviously, I sit in a chair to get an infusion of Keytruda uh, every three weeks. And obviously, now we've got us all social distance now, uh, obviously. But I don't always get an opportunity to speak to those folks, uh, but it's obvious sometimes the ones who have joy and the ones who do not. Um, and if I were speaking to an unbeliever today, 
I would simply try to encourage them to recognize that they'll never have joy or peace outside of the Lord Jesus. He is our only source of genuine joy and genuine peace. And through a crisis is one of the, one of the best times to turn to him. In fact, he may be attempting to use that crisis just to draw you to him. Uh, because everything in life has a purpose ultimately. And I think that's one thing we miss as we just go through life. But everything has a purpose. There is nothing that happens to us that is without purpose. Um, and so I would ask them to evaluate the purpose of this. And could it be that a loving God is allowing you to go through something this tragic simply to gain the opportunity to demonstrate his love for you? Um, and, and that would be what I would suggest to an unbeliever. I would also suggest that they, um, they embrace the diagnosis. Don't fight it. Don't resist it. Don't, don't go into a woe is me mentality. We've made a lot of progress medically. Um, in fact, uh, my nurse and doctor are telling me that they have patients with stage four kidney cancer who've been on Keytruda for as long as 10 years. Uh, which is amazing. They're calling this drug a miracle drug, especially when used in combination with some other things. But uh, I would just tell them, embrace it. Uh, the one thing I could not address for them uh, is the chemotherapy. Because most people, when you think of cancer and treatment, you think of the nausea, you think of the awful uh, side effects, that go with chemo. Immunotherapy doesn't have those same side effects. Uh, I'm sure it has a few, uh, but uh, fatigue being one of them. But the reality is you don't have all that sick, nauseating, extreme things with immunotherapy that you do with chemotherapy. So I wouldn't even begin to know other than through observation over the years, and you and I have both been around a long time. Other than through observation, I wouldn't even begin to know what chemotherapy is like. And, uh, but again, I think when you are talking to an unbeliever, it's simply a matter of telling them, embrace your situation, accept the situation, <clears throat> trust, <clears throat> excuse me, trust the medical profession, but ask yourself, what is the purpose? What can I do in this crisis to find joy and peace? And what can I do that my family uh, might see the purpose in this? And that, that would be my word of encouragement for them. Well, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to share with us today about what God's been doing in your life. And I appreciate your faithfulness through the years and your friendship through the years. Um, what specifically can our listeners pray with you and, and your dear wife about? Uh, obviously the cancer and obviously the ministry there in Ash, Ashboro, but anything else that you'd like to share with us? 
I would say that's the main two things that I would ask for. The, the, the ministry at Glad Tidings, that we can stay on track to go self-supporting. Um, and then secondly, um, on the health scene, just pray that the Lord will continue to give us some good days and the ability to keep pastoring. Uh, I am preaching every week. I'm enjoying preaching right now as much as I ever have. Um, and uh, I, I'm just excited about what God wants to do. Again, that goes back to purpose. Um, I see when I look back at past ministries um, that God was preparing me for something like this all along. And uh, it gives a whole sense of satisfaction to past ministries, uh, not, not even considering the fruit that remains in many of those. But uh, yeah, I've been well prepared for what we are doing and God has blessed us immensely, but we've got a long way to go. Um, physically pray that the fatigue would be less, um, what's the word, uh, intense would be something that's easier to work through. And uh, that would be the big thing. Well, God bless you, my friend. I appreciate you taking a few minutes to be with us today. Yes, sir. And Julie just reminded me yes. her back is giving her a lot of issues, okay. making it very difficult for her and folks to pray for her back to Good. do better. Okay. So let's remember Julie's back as well. And please, you guys remember the work here in Erie and if your health uh, permits you. We'd love to have you come visit one of these days if the Lord, the Lord lets that happen. Amen.